0: Lights. Not the lights of Broadway, although those are pretty awesome. Not the street lights, the police lights, or the traffic lights. No, these lights that I'm talking about define what it means to live in a city. They are the apartment lights, the lights you see from an airplane as it approaches LaGuardia, or the lights you see when you look up at a high rise. The lights in tenements, brownstones, condos, co-ops, and row houses. The lights that literally illuminate our lives. It is fascinating, this concept of city living, fascinating because tons of people decide that they're going to live in a few rooms in a building right next to another building full of people amongst 100,000 more buildings and apartments just like it. They choose to be a minic- minuscule part of a huge community, and all we see of them, the only way we know they're there sometimes, is from the soft light shining out from a kitchen, a bedroom, a living room. When you look down from that plane, or let your eyes gaze at the expanse that is New York City, visible, say, from the Meadowlands as you're near the Lincoln Tunnel, did you ever think about how many millions of people you were looking at at that very moment? Every one of those million lights you see has someone living behind it. Every light has a story of a life being lived out in a one- or two-bedroom apartment they probably paid way too much for. Their lives, as we see them, are defined by the vertical rectangles of light, the windows into their world. Occasionally, a shadow will pass, blocking the light, someone moving about, turning in for the night, heading to the kitchen for a snack. Back in the day, I loved to walk the village streets at night, the brownstones there, having large stoops with stairs that led to the first floor and usually a gated small staircase to a basement apartment. You couldn't see directly into any apartment, and I'm sure whoever was living there wouldn't want you to. But as I walked, I looked up, and because of the angle, what I would see would be a glimpse of a spiral staircase, perhaps, a painting on the wall, a mantelpiece, whatever it was for me, it was enough to unleash the hounds of imagination. I would create whole backstories of the faceless people that lived in the apartments I passed, all based on the little that I could spy from my vantage point walking past. there. I catch a sight of a humidor on the mantelpiece above the fireplace? A pipe smoker, perhaps, a man after my own heart, maybe a professor, why not? Probably teaches at nearby NYU, teaching, hmm, what would he teach? And then I would realize where I was, Commerce Street, wasn't it? Of course it was. And that gave me my answer. This professor of mine taught history, Any self-respecting history professor would love to live in the very brownstone that Aaron Burr called home 140 years earlier. See how the game works? I continue on for a couple of blocks, enjoying a spring evening of almost people watching. Before long, I had my next spark there in that window with the long white drapes. I could barely make out a large painting of an attractive young woman dressed in blue. It appeared to have its own lighting, giving me the impression that this was someone dearly beloved to whoever lived there. Was it a lost love, a deceased wife, whose husband gazed up at her every evening before retiring? Maybe a parent, mother, so missed by her child that she is commemorated in those thick oils. But no, none of that satisfied me. It had to be something more interesting, more alluring. And then I remembered an old film, Sunset Boulevard, and I had a story that I liked. The painting was of the owner herself, who still lived there, now in obscurity and certainly without the beauty so clearly evident in the frame. The subject herself would glance up at her younger self each night Maybe sit on the couch facing that wall, sipping a whiskey and remembering her younger days when she would hardly be alone on a night such as this. Yeah, that worked. I like that story. Next window, a couple of blocks away, I caught a large bookcase filled on every shelf with heavy tomes. I like that. Nothing better than books. And look there. Even better. A huge black and white cat had jumped up to stare out the window at me. Suspiciously. Cats always know. So what did I have to go on? A lot of books, good taste in pets. Okay, a writer, a published one. The village was ripe with published authors. And this one to me was a woman of many years with tons of plots in her head that she effortlessly spun into bestseller after bestseller as she sipped Earl Grey tea, her puss by her feet. By the time I had passed by her brownstone, I was convinced the person who had lived there was the American version of Agatha Christie. On I would go, passing quickly, finding a lead, taking it the rest of the way in my head. Every once in a while, I would look up and be startled to find someone looking down at me. I would smile and continue on. I always hoped that after I passed, they would start to think about that young man. Who is he? Where is he going? What did he do? What would he become? Like a mirror image of the game I played, where I was the subject of the story being woven, the token on the board. And once while playing the game, walking the streets of Chelsea, the game paid me dividends and I didn't need to even display or deploy my hounds. It was on 20th Street between 9th and 10th Avenue. The Lutheran Sem- Seminary was on my left as I walked past the brownstones that faced it. One of them was well lit in the apartment that I was looking in, I could see high ceilings and lots of artwork on the walls. A puff of smoke from a cigarette lofted up inside the room and the smoker came to the window. A tall man with ginger hair and a quite recognizable face. For this one, I broke the rules of the game and stopped walking to stare, then to smile. The man smiled back and then turned away. I knew he had had a place in the neighborhood, but I never thought David Bowie would play a part in my walking game. There was one spot, however, that had a special place in my heart in large part because the building itself is gone. My hountains have to work extra hard so that when I look at the building that now stands at 290 West 12th Street, I see the building that stood there decades earlier, a large gray building with rusted fire escapes hanging from every floor. Many of the windows had lights on, but an extra warm glow emanated from the second floor apartment. The glow from a table lamp and the flickering shadows of a black and white television set. The window was opened slightly to let in the warm spring air, and the evening was still and peaceful. And if all the stars were really in alignment, I could hear mom's voice calling her family into dinner. It was time to stop walking. I had come full circle. Imagination had come face to face with memory. But every step taken and every stop real, imagined, or remembered had been guided by the compassionate individual lights that make up the tableau that was New York City. Rob.